Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we're so glad to have you with us here again in the House of Faith. Today on the broadcast, we're going to continue on in the series that we've been in called The Simplicity of Faith. Now, over the last several weeks, we talked about how faith talks. In last week's broadcast, we moved on talking about how not only does faith talk, faith walks. And we're going to continue on with that today. And I want you to really tune in, pay attention to this, make sure that what you're hearing today gets not only into your ears, but down into your heart. Faith is simple. Don't let it be complicated. Don't let it be complex to you. Faith is simple. Faith talks and faith walks. So we're going to go right back into the service where all this was recorded live at the Washington, D.C. Gospel Truth Seminar hosted by Andrew Womack Ministries. We were so honored to be a part of that great meeting, and now we want to share it with you. So tune in today. Watch this, The Simplicity of Faith, Faith Walks, and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. We're talking about the simplicity of faith and how faith speaks, faith talks. Let's find out what else faith does. Go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm not boring you, am I? You doing okay? Can you hang in there? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We talked earlier, about, uh, earlier today about how a child growing up in a home finds out who they are, especially when they ask to do something or to go somewhere that they're not allowed to. And mom or dad looks back and says, no, we don't go there. We don't do that. We don't talk like that. You find out there's a difference about you and the house you're growing up in. Well, that's the household of faith. We, you discover that in this little word, we. I want you to notice how many times in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 alone that this shows up. Read quickly with me, beginning in verse one. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. It goes on, verse five, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. Verse seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 11, for we, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Verse 13, I like this. And since, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Try it again. Verse 13, and since. We have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While... We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, ladies and gentlemen, all you would have to do is hang out in these two chapters for a little bit every single day, and you would know exactly who we are. You find out a lot of things about yourself. You find out a lot of things about the life of a born-again, spirit-filled believer and what makes us different. And one of the big things that makes us different, we see it in chapter 5, verse 7, we walk 
by faith and not by sight. By sight, by feeling, by sense, that's the way the rest of this world around us walks. And when I say walks, I mean that's their entire decision-making process filters through what I see, what I feel, what I sense. It all goes through that filter. But the dangerous thing is what the scripture says, that there is a way that seems right. You can't spell seems without C, S-E-E, as there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is what? Death. But that's how this world is living. Every decision they're making is motivated entirely by what they can see, what they can feel, what they can sense. And people have their expectation severely limited by their experience. Have you noticed that? that people allow their experience to limit expectation. The scripture tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter three, that if you will trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, that's what we're talking about, sense, how you can understand this naturally, how you see it, the way you see it. If you learn how to get out of your head and into your heart, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, what would happen? He would direct your path. When you acknowledge him in all your ways, he makes your path smooth. He makes your path straight, but it requires you leaning not to your own understanding, but trusting in him with all your heart. This is what makes us us. This is what will make you, you as a believer. You have made the determination, I walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I think a lot has been taught and said and understood about what it means to walk by faith, but let me give you a demonstration of this. And I hope that this isn't uh, too high or too deep to really grab a hold of tonight, but let me show you what it really means to walk by faith. The first thing you do when you're walking by faith is you take a step. Did I lose you? (laughs) Yeah, but what comes next? I'm so glad you asked. What comes after the step that you take? Pay attention. You take another step. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da. Folks, don't over complicate, over-spiritualize what this means. Walking by faith means taking a step, taking a step, one step at a time. The scripture, where are we at? We're in second Corinthians. Flip back to the book of Romans. I want to show you something quickly. Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four is a New Testament snapshot of an Old Testament man. It's about the life of a man named Abraham. And there's so many good things in this chapter, but look at verse 12, talking about Abraham. And it says, we also walk in the steps of the faith, which our our father Abraham had. There's more he says there, but I wanted to bring this part out. We walk in the steps of faith that our father Abraham did. Abraham, who is held up 
all throughout scripture and will be for all time as the father of faith. That's the example of how to live by faith and how to walk by faith. Have you ever wondered why the Spirit of God writing through and preaching through the Apostle Paul, trying to communicate what had just happened in and through Jesus, had to go all the way back to this Old Testament guy to try to even put words around what had just happened through Jesus? Isn't that an interesting thought? I think the answer to that is in verse 13. This says, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So what the Spirit of God is saying here, I, I got to somehow get across to you what Jesus has just done, what Jesus has just accomplished. And to do that, I got to take you all the way back in time to a, to a moment in time when there was nothing between God and his man. There was no law between them. There was only God's word to his man and man's faith in his God. And that was it. That was the extent of the relationship. And that's why the spirit of God is saying, I got to take you back. That's the example. There's no longer anything between you and your God. There's only love between us and his name is Jesus. That's why Abraham is our example. All he had, listen to this. All he had was a word from God. That's it. That's all he had. You have to go back to the book of Genesis chapter 12. We won't take time to look at all of it, but this is where God introduced himself to this man named Abraham or Abram at the time. You want to know what the first thing God said to Abram was? We're talking about step one, the simplicity of faith. Faith talks and faith walks. You want to know what God said to this man? He said, get thee out of thy country and away from thy father's house. Ladies and gentlemen, the man was 75 years old. Let's be honest. It was time. It was time. Spread your wings, boy. Fly, little birdie. 75. I don't know how, I'm sure his dad was thrilled that he got that word too. Go, go get out of your father's house. He said, get out of your own country, get out of your father's house to a place that I will show you. The Bible says that Abraham departed at the word of the Lord, just as the Lord had said. What is that? A step. That's it. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what the end result of this thing was, but he had a word. Faith comes how? By hearing and by hearing what? Word. He had faith to go. Why? Because there was a word that said go. And this is what I think the Lord wants to highlight tonight. If you go back and look at the life of Abraham and everything God said to him, everything God did for him and did through him, he had some some life-changing conversations with God. You look through the book of Genesis at what God spoke to him. There was a day, there was one day in particular where God just gave him a, a, a list of things that he wanted done, that he wanted changed, a, a really a new way of operating and living that started with, I'm changing your name. You are now Abraham. 
That's a covenant name. I want people to know you're with me and I'm with you. Abraham. You know what Abraham said? Okay. Abram had worked well for like, I think 90 years at that point. But God said, change it. You know what he said? Okay. We're talking about what faith says. You want to know one of the big things that faith says? You want to have great faith, demonstrate mountain moving faith? Say, okay. When God speaks, respond with, okay. On that same day, he said, I'm changing your name. You're no longer called Abram, you're Abraham. And what did Abram say? Okay. And then he said, and your wife, Sarah, I'm changing her name too, Sarah. What did Abraham say? Okay. Then things got um, interesting. God started talking to this man, and I don't I want to get into too many details on this, but he started talking to them, talking to him about this thing called circumcision. And he said, you are going to be circumcised in the flesh and Ishmael is going to be circumcised in the flesh and every male servant in your house will be circumcised in the flesh and those in your house and those out of your house will be circumcised in the flesh. And Abram was like, okay, now say again. What's this? Explain this to me one more time. Because I was good with the name change. You know, all that takes is one visit to the DMV. We can get this changed on the ID. We'll be good to go. Change some paperwork with the government and we're golden. This other thing, no, he didn't have that kind of conversation with God at all. You want to know what he said? This is great faith. This is huge faith. These are steps of faith. What did Abraham say? Okay. How would you have liked to have been at staff meeting that day? Nine o'clock meeting, everybody's gathered around. He's going over the agenda, the itinerary. Guys, we got to get those sheep uh, pinned back in. I noticed that fence was coming down and the cattle are getting out over there in the east pasture. So you guys, can you take care of that for me? Okay. Uh, we've got some things around the house here and in the, the lands that need to be taken care of. Um, other than that, I think that's it. Oh, wait, no, one more thing. I need to see all the guys immediately following... Immediately following service today, uh, if I could just have all the guys meet me back here in the woodshed and we're going to, um, circumcisions will take place at 10 a.m. There's probably some servant going, circum what now? Another guy leans over and goes, I, I, I almost called in sick today. I knew I should have. Ishmael, 13 years old. If I'm a 13 year old and dad comes in and starts talking about this stuff, I'm like, I can run faster than you, old man. <laughs> but the Bible tells us that on that day, the very same day that God spoke to him about all these things, he did it. He did it. He did it. What's he saying? Okay. Okay. Now I'm not saying it was easier that there wasn't definitely some challenge to, to this, but what I am showing you is that this is our example of faith, steps of faith. And the astounding thing to me is that we see the total submission and the agreement from his whole household. And years later, after Isaac was born, 
and he received the child of promise. And the Lord spoke to him and said, now you take your only son and put him on the altar as a sacrifice. What did Abraham say? Okay. Folks, this is great faith. This is our example of faith. He said, okay. Now, whether or not he knew or understood what God was saying and doing through that, we can see it so clearly now. God's in covenant with this man. This man is God's open door and access into the earth. And he asked him for his only son because as covenant, as a covenant partner, God knows if my covenant partner is willing to give his only son for me, I am bound by the covenant to be willing to do no less. Now, whether Abraham saw all that or not, didn't need to. What did he have? A word. And what did he do with that word? Stepped on it. That's all he had to stand on was a word. As far as I know, he was not attending a good faith church at the time. I don't think he was supporting any faith ministries. There were none, were there? All he had was a word. And yet he treated it as enough to step on. Now you look at what God was able to do with him and what he was able to do through him all the way to, to what God, his entrance into the earth through Isaac, the, what was accomplished in his identity change and, and his covenant with God. Folks, look at it. Where did all that start? It started the day he said, leave home. I want to tell you tonight that if Abraham had not stepped out on that word, there never would have been anything else. It took that step right there. That first step of leaving home. That's a step of faith. Thank you, Lord. Home represents a lot of things for a lot of people. Home can represent... Uh, it can represent provision. I mean, shoot, home is the place where you don't know how, but three meals just showed up on a table every single day. Home was the place where there was just clothes in the closet. Home is the place where there was you were provided for. Home was the place where you got to, even if you didn't have a lot of stuff, what you did have, you didn't work for it. That was home. Home was a place of provision. Home was a place of security. Home could be a place of identity. This is my family. This is who I belong to. Home could be a place of seemingly or, or, or so-called comfort. And it's not that there was necessarily something wrong with Abraham's his father's home, not that there's necessarily something wrong with the home that you came from, but there was something that God wanted to do and he wanted it to be between him and Abraham. And so what he was saying was here, I need you to leave that and pursue this. Quit seeing that as your source. I want to be your source. That's no longer your place of provision. I want to be the place of provision. That's no longer your place of security. I'm your place of security. I'm your place of comfort. And 
every, every world-changing thing that God did through that man and through his wife and the nation that was born out of it and the body of Christ that's alive in the earth today that was born out of it started with the instruction to what? Leave home. Just disconnect from that. That's not your source anymore. I am. This is the simplicity of faith. You can see this in the New Testament. Do you have just another moment or two here? Go to the book of Luke chapter 9. This is in Jesus' own ministry. In Luke chapter 9, look at verse 57. It says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Famous last words. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Man, I know when my mom and dad uh, first started pastoring our church, I was in junior high and the church went from just a handful of people to hundreds like overnight. And it grew and it grew and it grew and it was one service, then two services, then three services on a Sunday morning and it was growing and there was momentum. And I remember in those early days, people would come to mom and dad and to our family and be like, this is our home. This is our place. We're never leaving. We're with you forever. And the first handful of people that tell you that, it's like, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. Did you hear what they said? They're never leaving. And then you look up and it's like, where'd you go? And it finally got to the place where people would come and say, hey, we're with you forever. And you just want to say, stop, stop. Just say anything else, but not that. Why? Because there's a difference between people who talk and people who do. This guy said, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm with you. I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, that sounds great. No. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Don't you know the whole marketing department of Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association was like, oh, I hate it when he starts giving the foxes and birds speech. It's like, Jesus, we're trying to get people. We're trying to keep people. This guy's wanting to go with us and you talk to him about foxes and birds and no place to sleep. But he's being honest with them. And then he turned to one other in verse 59 and he said, follow me. That you look that up, it literally translates to take the same road I'm taking. Walk this road with me. Faith talks and faith walks. He said, follow me. And this guy said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Do you notice what he said there? Me first. Let me first. Jesus is extending to him this two-word invitation that is the greatest thing that's ever fallen on human ears. Follow me. Now, all of us since then have heard that, but not everybody living at the time of his earthly ministry got that invitation out of his mouth. This was rare. This was valuable. This was precious. And this guy said, let me first. Let me first go. And I want you to notice where he wants to go. Bury my father. And Jesus said to him in verse 60, yeah, I understand. You go take care of that. Family comes first. No, 
bad translation? What did Jesus say? Verse 60. Let the dead bury their own dead. You go, and the implication is now. Go now and preach the kingdom of God. When you look this up, you start doing a little bit of study. I found something that somewhere it's, it's buried in the language here, but it's the idea that this guy's father has not just died, nor was he about to. What he's saying is, let me go wait until he does. Folks, if, the, if there is something that you still have to do first before you're ready to commit to walking by faith and following Jesus, then you're not ready. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.